Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. So, you know, I was thinking about just a week ago, it was really interesting because we were all upset. I was particularly upset. We were all upset because we knew at 3 o'clock when the show was the show was over that we were all going to be bummed because Trump will, would have, a clown car is really what I call him, clown car would have uh, pulled us out of the uh, Paris Accord. And uh, that was very disturbing for everyone that uh, uh, pretty much 99.5% of all the people that I personally come in contact with. And really bad for the planet in general, no matter what. Uh, and it was, we were all very upset. And now look at this, exactly one week later, and I'm feeling much, much better after watching the Comey hearings. I mean, having somebody who's the head of the FBI say under oath that he did does believe that the president lies is kind of fun, don't you think? I really I really enjoyed that. You know, Schadenfraud, like I get a lot of show. I have a lot of Schadenfraud, like I... I'm just going to admit this, okay? Like, this is one of my really unhealthy things based on how insecure I am, but sometimes I really get a hidden secret guilty pleasure out of watching people fail. Even people that I that I like, that I'm actually rooting for, I get, I, it happens. I'm like that. I'm not like that together sometimes. But this is the Schadenfraud of Schadenfraud. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, the greatest radio station in the Western Hemisphere. As we all know, now is the time to donate money to anything that has the word freedom in it. Free, freedom. Where you are, support the resistance by, you know, donating anything to Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. Uh, slash pledge and uh, put up, you know, anything and get on our newsletter. You can get on our newsletter for free because we have the best parties. We get like the best bands in Brooklyn and you can come hang out with us. Also, if you'd like to call in today, I'm going to have a very lively discussion with a a very, very funny and and very bright, insightful and psychologically complex, I'm going to say lesbian. Sure. Because lesbian, I'll get to that in a minute, but she's a lesbian. Uh, And her name is Lisa Kaplan, uh, comedian. Uh, She's not not currently engaged in comedy, she says. But let me tell you, this chick is the real deal. But before we get to that, Speaking of lesbians, there, I said it again. I think I'm getting a kick out of saying this in front of one. How do you feel about me saying the word lesbian? Are you getting like, are you getting a little charge out of it too? Or is it it annoying to you? It's not annoying or a charge. Uh, I'm waiting to see the context. (laughs) See, that's very smart. See, I told you, she's a lot smart. She's very smart. Um. So anyway, I just, uh, so let me tell you about um, Brooklyn Pride Week out here in Brooklyn. It's, as you may know, it's June 5th to 10th, and um, we're supporting and involved with 
annual, the 21st annual Brooklyn Pride themed Equality No Exceptions. It's on, uh, and this, it's from Monday through Saturday. And there's a 5K in Prospect Park, a festival and a parade on Fifth Avenue and Park Slope. There's also um, going to be a documentary of the first openly trans uh, New York firefighter. There's going to be queer comedy. Lisa, you could have been in that. It's on it. And full day of events on Saturday, June 10th. So I think that's going to be super, super fun. And uh, you guys should come. And if you want any more information, just go to the www.brooklynpride.org to find out how to get involved. And get involved. You know, because lesbians are great. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, you know what? Uh, being around anyone who 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 uh, is trying to break boundaries and limits, and I guess do we still put gay queer people in that category? They are, right? I guess in their own way. So anyway, it'll be fun. You know what the fuck I'm saying? I don't. So uh, hello, Lisa. Hi. Um, so anyway, I was thinking about you. There's so many things to talk to you about. Uh, one of the things I thought we would discuss is maybe, uh, your relationship to comedy and why you put it on hold. But also you were telling me about a study, a psychological study that you've been involved in lately. Do you want to recap that? Sure. A a program, uh, not a study. Uh, so it's at Mount Sinai. And it was an intensive uh, group therapy uh, program, which was five times a week for a year. And it was really helpful for me. How did you get involved in that? Uh, I I was seeing a therapist at Beth Israel, uh, who was, I guess, a resident before they become technically a psychiatrist. And we were ending our two-year time working together because she was graduating, and she did a rotation at this uh, center. And so she, and we had been talking about me doing group therapy as the next step in what I was needing to do, and she thought this would be a great program for me. And it's it's the Center for Intensive Treatment of Personality Disorders. Uh, I... She said I didn't have a personality disorder. I, everybody has some traits, uh, and my mother did. My mother was borderline. So I, I was affected by my mother quite a bit. Okay. Um, so you were just, it just happened to be like you were in therapy with this shrink, and she thought this would be a good program for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The, the group mm-hmm. therapy part of it was useful. Okay, before we get into that, can you describe what you mean by um, your mother had a personality disorder? Why don't you describe a little bit about her and your relationship with her so we can get a picture of sure. what, what you grew up with? What she, the fuck was she going on there? She had borderline personality disorder. Uh-huh. She wasn't officially diagnosed, but everybody, my cousins, two of whom are therapists, were wow. cer- certain she had it, and when I read about it, when I finally figured it out, she was textbook, and so growing up with her was very, a lot of conflict. Okay, so can you explain what a personality uh, disorder, a borderline personality disorder is as far as, you know, I mean, 
as far I mean, you've obviously read a lot about it, so can you describe what that is? Well, generally, uh, a personality disorder just means any behaviors that are creating conflict in your life or creating problems. For so, that person. For like that, that person. That person. Like, like, and the people like, around them usually also. Like Clown Car has personality disorder, right? Cause, um, yeah, he seems to be a malignant narcissist. And he and he keeps creating problems for him. Like he's going to get himself in jail, perhaps. Well, who knows? Yeah, but he's definitely or, creating his own. Pro- so, so yeah. is that what you're? Ta- that's a great yeah, example, that's though, part isn't of, it? Yeah, and um, oftentimes, uh, the it's not just for that person; it's for the people around them. And they, you know, for a borderline, uh, which was what my mother was, borderline personality disorder. Um, there's a there's a fear of abandonment and a problem with regulating emotions and other things too so that uh, everything, all their encounters are tinged or or shaded by that part of them. And so for my mother, uh, you know, she was very uh, worried about my health and was sort of... Like overly worried about your health? Yeah. And my my father died when I was three. So she was... Very and her brother, her beloved brother, died when she was younger. So she had a lot of loss. So your father died when you were three. Did you have brothers or sisters? I have a brother, one brother, uh, older, year, a year young, uh, two years younger. He was a oh, year so old when my father died. So he was a year. So your mother was left. Do you, do you think that's what brought on her personality disorder? No, I think she had it before then. I, it's usually uh, brought on by abuse in childhood, and. Did, was the what kind of impression did you have of your father? Was he a balanced guy? My impression, I don't have any memories, mm. but by all accounts, he was an extraordinary person. He was very loving and very uh, balanced, mm-hmm. very smart and funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody I how loved, they got everybody ma- adored him. That how did they get married? I don't don't know. know. I think he liked her tits. Uh, your mom had big tits. <laughs> she did. Awesome. Yeah. I don't remember. So, uh, okay. I mean, I remember she had, I don't, I didn't know her when she was young and voluptuous. But she didn't have a balancing uh, other person, partner, let's put it that way. She did until he died. Right. No, but I mean, for yeah. your for your right. growing up. For and your I'm sure had up. he lived, I would have had a very ex- different experience. And he would have been a buffer to her. Per- Perhaps, you know, you never know. Sometimes there are also enablers which can go in any direction. Okay, so give us a few examples of what your mother did that, I mean, she sounds extreme. You're you're describing somebody has some extreme behavior, so let us, give us some examples. Well, it was uh, a lot about, I mean, what I was left with was this lack of entitlement and my needs were less important than hers. And that was a big part of it. She would always, all my behavior wasn't stuff that I was doing as a child, for example, just misbehaving or, you know, doing what I wanted to do. It was always a reflection on her. It was always trying to manipulate her or, and this was true for my brother too, that uh, she would often get very angry at us for things that were pretty benign or just childish misbehavior. Um, so was she like raging? Was she a rage, yes, rageaholic? She was a big rageaholic, yeah. So was she, she, there's a lot of yelling and screaming. Yep. And how that must have been really hard on your younger brother, too. Well, he behaved, 
his reaction was very different than mine. And, and he was, we were sort of both painted as the, I was the good one and he was the bad one. Mm-hmm. And that's also classic for borderlines that they do that to their children. They, one is good or one is bad. They have very black and white. I actually believe that the whole Republican Party is uh, under, has a case of borderline personality disorder. And if you go through the list of attributes, it's mm-hmm. all, you know, uh, blaming everybody else mm-hmm. for everything, not taking any responsibility, mm-hmm. black and white thinking, uh, pe- putting people into categories of good or bad. So my brother was the bad one when I was young, and he misbehaved a lot, and he acted up to get attention. And also because, you know, she was much more abusive to him than me. Ah. And so... As children, we had different experiences, but he was also much more outgoing and gregarious. I was extremely shy mm-hmm. and depended on her mm-hmm. when I was, you know, she was the only person I felt comfortable with mm-hmm. as a child. When I hit adolescence, I couldn't stand her. Like I just started coming into conflict with her. And what would you do? I just resisted and I became very withdrawn and I was Did you fuming. Did de- you You got depressed? I got very, yeah. You turned your anger inward on yourself? I believe I did. Did you know you were a lesbian? I mean, or were you conscious of it? At 12, I was. And so what was what was that like? Was that confusing or how was it? What, what, what was that like? Coming out? Or realizing, or coming, realizing yeah. it was very traumatic. Actually, I remember the exact moment. Really, and, what yeah. happened? I was in um, seventh grade, uh, the homeroom class, waiting for the bell to ring, and mm-hmm. I was just sitting there, uh, not thinking of anything in particular. And I, w- I was looking at my homeroom teacher, and I realized I was attracted to her, and it was like a punch in the stomach. And oh, oh, really? Like you mean like uh oh, I'm a lesbian? Yeah. Did you know what being a lesbian? I did think you... that's the moment I realized it. I think that for me, I think about the developmental progression, you know, the uh, the stages of the development in the mind as a child, mm-hmm. and I think that was the moment that I be- went from having the child brain to an adult brain. Oh, like physically. Or yeah, like cognitively, like yeah. or like uh, you know the mm-hmm. hormonally or whatever. Whatever happened, it was I'd a moved to a different a body mind mm-hmm. thing. So when you because apparently I knew the word, you did know the I word. I knew the word, but I didn't. But that's when I understood. Oh, I see. So that's it's like uh, when you finally realize what sex is, or something Maybe. like that. It like a light bulb went off exactly. for you. Mm-hmm. And then how did you how did you feel about that? Was it a positive feeling or scary or well this is 1972 yeah i mean I, I was i was horrified i was just uh it was very was it like oh no i'm a lesbian yeah then? i was i was horrible um so um no um yeah just get a little closer to the mic or lift it up a little bit i want to make sure we get every word sounding clearly and because uh, these are good, these are valuable words. So did you, what, like, how, what did you do with that information? Well, I sat on it. I didn't uh, share it with anybody because I didn't have anybody to share it with. Uh-huh. And so it just basically tormented me for a couple of years. And then for a couple of years, I avoided it. And then when I was 16, I had another crush on another teacher. And I realized, okay, that's it. I'm... Um, I give up. You're, I'm, I'm you, a but you went for the older women. <laughs> well, I also had crushes on uh, younger girl or girls my age, but uh, this was the defining point at which I just realized, because previously I'd been like, all right, I, it's not true. If it's true, I'll accept it. 
but it's not uh, true. You didn't even want to know. No. So, so but I was, just decided, okay, this is it. So what happened? Like, was there any, um, were, like, did, uh, you know, like, did people, did your like mom, did your friends, did people want to know why you weren't going out with boys or anything like that? Or? No, I think I was just so uh, shy and quiet that nobody questioned. I was also overweight when I was young. And so I just generally wasn't very outgoing. And so I think any just, question was put and, on that uh, the, rather the, than... The, there was okay. just that Lisa person in the corner, don't, uh, whatever, who exactly. knows, whatever her story is. Well, when I told my roommate in college, the first person I told, uh, which was, I was, I guess, 19 or 20 by that point, um, she said, oh, I thought you just didn't, you were above all that. Like, you just didn't talk about, about boys because you had more important things to talk about. you're smart. Meanwhile, <laughs> I had a crush on her the, the previous year that I sort of and she tormented she me so she didn't know anything about that yeah I was very good at so hiding did you get like crushes on heterosexual women that were un un you know unattainable sure. or well I, mean, I didn't was that know part of it I didn't or know whether they know. I assumed they were heterosexual oh. I mean there were no gay people around that there were out then yeah sadly yeah I didn't meet actual lesbians until I think I was 19 and I when I was in the city f- between uh, semesters in college I for the summer, I went to Identity House to the, the drop-in. It, it's it, oh, on co- where'd you go to college? Uh, SUNY Binghamton. And where did you grow up? Uh, on the Lower East Side. Oh, really? Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. I actually live where I grew up. What did your parents do, by the way? My mother was um, an actress, yeah, but she was an unemployed, an unsuccessful one mm-hmm. for most of my life, and she would make money going between doing secretarial work and then going on unemployment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she started, she went to school, she finally got her uh, BA and then master's in drama mm. at Queens College, and she started teaching there, teaching mm. acting. And then oh. she was teaching acting at uh, um, HB Studios for really? like 25 years. And she wow. was very popular. Wow. Yeah, she had a big following. That's when she had, cool. And she died a year and a half ago, um, oh, September of 2015. Oh, And wow. so her memorial, she had like 70 people there and wow. a lot of them students that adored her. Wow. So, so there is part of you that's definitely like proud of her. I recognize the things she's that just she was a hard, horrible she was mother. She's very difficult. Yeah. She, you know, she was, my brother's much more critical of her and thinks she was evil. I just think she was damaged. And yeah. I don't think she was evil. I think she meant well, but she just was so uh, desperately unhappy. And Well, it sounds like you and your brother are in agreement. It's just that you have a little more compassion and, frankly, yeah. maturity, really. Because I, I think that is, I always, I mean, I talk about that because I, uh, I did not get along with my parents. It's like uh, compassion instead of hating your parents is definitely much better for, for, for everyone. Really. Right. Yeah. Though when she was when I was around her, I couldn't stand her. Sure. Yeah. And I I was honestly when she died, I was relieved. I yeah. Felt, I felt liberated, and yeah. I, I lived with her uh, until she died. I I lived in I was out of the uh, city for twenty years, so I came back in ninety nine mm-hmm. to do stand up from Boston. I and what did Boston. you do in Boston? Uh, I was a video technician for a lot mm-hmm. of the time, and mm-hmm. uh, I started doing stand-up that last year I was there. 
So I was there from mm -hmm. when I graduated college to, uh, so 16 years, 90. And then you just started doing stand-up and you were like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I thought so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, which makes sense with your background and stuff. So what happened with your brother? Did he turn into a criminal or anything like that? For a little while. He did? What happened? Uh, not, well. He, he sounds like he had a lot of anger and it's hard, it's was, hard on boys. Younger boys, yeah. I think, his situation must have been tough. In some ways, it was easier for him because it was much more clear-cut about how abusive she ah. was. And so she, he didn't internalize her abuse. Ah, I see. But he's still very angry. And I had a harder time because it was I couldn't figure out why I was so angry at her until oh, I was 30. Because she thought you, you thought you were the good one. Were you getting no? Good? She no. Actually, I thought I was. She told me I was responsible for our horrible relationship. At that point, I wasn't the good one, and she told me all her problems was because of me. Oh wow, and, that's a heavy trip. And I believed her because that's what she told me. And so it wasn't until I was about thirty that I started getting insight into that that wasn't true and started deconstructing our relationship with a good therapist. And is that's when you started therapy? I no, I started I think I started when I was 5. Not I wasn't my mother brought me when I was 5 because of my father's death. Right. And and, and I was diagnosed eventually I was diagnosed um with dysthymia. So I didn't have full-blown depression I had uh, right like just low chronic low-level mm -hmm. depression that's dysthymia guys you can improve your book <laughs> your your psychology vocabulary dysthymia. right here so when you say your mother was abusive to your brother can you give us an example she hit him she would uh, beat him up I don't Literally? remember it I believe him but I don't remember did, the extent of did the you abuse. did you feel like concerned for him sometimes I don't remember I don't remember if I did. I think. What do you I was... think about that? That you don't remember? Do you think that's that's like okay? So um... I might be blocking it out. Yeah. I think I also just don't have a good memory of specifics during my childhood. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's mm -hmm. it has given me pause. So were you a loner all through high school, or did yeah. you? So yeah. you didn't like? Were you really depressed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, was lonely, depressed. Uh, and you didn't get, you did, well, you were, were you so going I had to therapy? therapy? Yeah, I had therapy in high school. I think that was the first time I actually mm -hmm. decided to go on my own, but it wasn't a great wasn't a great therapist. therapist did you tell them right you were a lesbian? Eventually. So the mm -hmm. first, after, so I realized I was gay when I was 12. I didn't tell anybody until I was 17, and the mm. first person I told was my mother. And then she said, she asked me if I told my therapist. I said no. So a few weeks later, I told my therapist. And we didn't really talk about it much. How did your mother respond? She cried. She blamed herself because she said she was a feminist. And she <laughs> thought I had put my, she had, uh, set me against men, which I can't. I, she didn't. And uh, later she realized that it, like right. everything else, she realized it was my fault. Well, in, in, <laughs> well, in all fairness, I mean, in those years, um, being gay wasn't, you know, as right. it wasn't that it was accepted or not accepted. It was just like really, um, it wasn't accepted. It well, was, it wasn't. It, was it wasn't even like talked about enough, right. or obvious enough, or part of society enough to be accepted. Right. Exactly. Just very hidden is the word. Yeah. And there think. were things if you looked for it. You know, Ms. Magazine had a few articles occasionally. Yeah. Right. I went to. 
I think I went to Oscar Wilde Bookstore to get some literature. So it was possible to find things, but it was very early. So did things change for you when you went to college then? I hope. I'm hoping. Not for a while. I didn't come out until my uh, junior year to any other people. And then half the people, most of the people I came to were either gay or bi. Uh, came out to, um, I guess that's who I gravitated toward. Mm-hmm. And then I had my first girlfriend my senior year. Oh, nice. Was that yeah. a good experience for you? Uh, it was good having a girlfriend. It wasn't a great relationship. So um, I am like, I, I, you are, pre- to me, you are presenting as somebody who is um, not shy, not shy, not, not, not aggressive and not shy, very balanced mm-hmm. that way. And, uh, and obviously, like somebody who, uh, you know, you seem normal, really normal, but also very smart and very funny. So you've gone from being, how did you get from being um, a shy, reclusive person to the person you are now? I don't know. I don't know why it fell away. I remember when I was in high school, I started working at the neighborhood library. And that opened me up a lot. I mean, that was the first time I was dealing with other people in a sort of a work environment because it was still, I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. But I just started coming out of my shell and being more, fr- you know, having more friends. And so, college was good for me in that way. And yeah, so. I so just, maybe it was just a lack of practice. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe the part of me that, you know, I think that. Uh, Having my father around for the first three years is sort of what saved me. Yeah, uh, in some way. That, yeah, that I I'm not completely broken. Yeah, I'm just like very damaged. Those are really so, important. The pre-verbal years. Yeah, very, so maybe very important. that part of me started. You know, the the core of me has is sort of like getting out and figuring out what's going on. So mm-hmm. that might have been it. Um. So I'm thinking about um how um. I want to I want to go back to the experience that you just completed the group therapy experience. I want to hear about that. I love group therapy. So your therapist decided that you should just be in this program, right? Well, I thought, yeah, we both agreed, but I had wanted well, I think what it was the reason that I wanted to be in group therapy was that I'd done a lot of therapy. I'd had uh, eight years of really good therapy in in Boston mm-hmm. right before I came and I stopped because I mm-hmm. moved. And uh, I'd done other things, other Mm -hmm. therapeutic situations, but Mm -hmm. I had made a lot of uh, progress in my understanding of what was going on. But there was still this way in which what was going on inside wasn't translating into how people were reacting to me. What do you mean by that? And I assume what you're talking about is that you had internalized a lot of the negativity that your mother had pushed onto you, and that's what you were trying to unravel. Right. And you knew you knew yeah. that you were internalizing it, but you knew you had to get out of it. Right. And so what 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 did you mean by what you just said? What did you just so uh, what was happening was that I had an intellectual and even a Mm -hmm. deeper understanding of what was going on with me and Mm -hmm. and what my issues were. But I was still having trouble with relationships. I was having trouble. People weren't, I, 
it felt like there was I was blocking people in some way, that there was mm-hmm. a way that I was still protecting myself and defensive, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. I didn't mm-hmm. know the dynamics Interesting. of that. And so for me, uh, the group therapy experience was about that, about exploring how people responded to me, what they were seeing when mm-hmm. I presented stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, a lot of my... Uh, you know, I, I try very hard or have tried very hard to not show my emotions, mm-hmm. partly because, you know, the, the gay thing was one well, thing. I mean, if you can't let people know that you're attracted to them, yeah, that's pretty That's pretty um, strict. Right. And also with my mother, just having to protect myself against her generally. Sure. So, I, you know, that was the way I behaved. And I didn't understand that. Even though I want to be close to people, I want more people. My depression's a lot about being lonely mm-hmm. and being feeling isolated. So when I'm around people, I'm not depressed. But there was some block that mm-hmm. was preventing me from connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And it was about defenses and figuring out mm-hmm. how to let those down and how to uh, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that being emotional isn't necessarily bad mm-hmm. being vulnerable being is, vulnerable right. being vulnerable i mean uh, i'm in group therapy too and i've been in group for over 10 years so that is the big thing that i've learned in group myself is that by showing vulnerability you actually bring people closer they right. don't but on the other hand if you do it in the wrong time at work you can push them away well you can make yourself open for them to use that against you. Right. They it can use it judicious. as a weapon, yeah. which is why therapy group is really good because it's a safe environment. Exactly. So was it in the kind of therapy, I mean, in, in the group that I'm familiar with, you're not allowed to talk to the people outside the group? Yeah, you're not supposed to. Yeah, and people you only see them in the... Right. Right. No last names, really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you're not mm-hmm. supposed to. So anyway, what did what kinds I've of things? I have friendships with some of the people that were in the group after they right, left. Right, right. Six months, something like those. Those are nobody the rules. can be in the group for more than a year. So people oh, start and end at different that's times. Interesting. At the center. I mean, I would love if that group had continued. And there are people coming and going, so oh, it's a little weird. I like that. But um, so what? What yes. did you? What did you learn? How did it affect you? I mean, it's just recently that you finished it, and it was in a April. year. And so, so just ago. only two or months a ago. Month and a half ago, yeah. So when you look back now, how do you what do you see that's different about how you how you are in the world and how you think about yourself? I have realized that what I think I'm projecting that for well, so one of the things I imagined that people saw when they look at me is this very closed off, depressed, unfriendly person. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't what I was getting from the people in the group. And what did they tell you? Uh, they told me that I was very welcoming. They said, you know, you were the first person that said hello to me when I came, and you're very um, thoughtful, and you know, you have great insight, and you're not, you don't attack people. You're very uh, careful with your. You know, so yeah. it, was, it was positive, and it was. Were you, know, you surprised? Liked me. Yeah, I was. Were su- you really surprised to hear all that? Yeah, I was. <laughs> That's was so shocking. funny. And I think that it's not funny, but <laughs> funny, funny. Well, weird. ironic. Let's yes. put it that way. Did did so? Did that? Were you like, oh my god, I can't believe this is like bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it wasn't a complete. You know, I, I right. sort of gotten intimation of that. Yeah, too, but also. You know, it's um, my uh, when I was doing stand up, my persona, 
was very dry and um, people saw me that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way I project. You know, it's still a work in progress. I think I do project that sometimes, but it's defensive. But it, but it wasn't as extreme as I thought it was. And when you realize that you're not, you know, I just started feeling better about myself and mm -hmm. feeling like I could be more outgoing and um, not mean? so self-critical and not so reticent to. Well, one of the things I learned, for example, you know, I went to a party. And I had you know, somebody came in that I had met once before, and he was initially kind of dismissive. It was like, "Oh hi," and looked away. And normally, I would have just been like, "Okay, he hates me. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna." You mm -hmm. know, it's like he's right. I'm, you know. And instead, because of the group, I I went over to him and I started talking to him and asking him questions about himself. And he immediately became very warm. And by the time he left, he gave me a big hug. And it was, you know, so the difference is that I didn't give up. I didn't That's just beautiful. assume. That's so awesome. That I was a horrible person and there's no way to get wow. past it. Yeah. So that's, that's really, one of the things I learned. Yeah. That's really, really awesome. That's really great. So I want to um, talk also a little about comedy and also because I imagine the persona that you put out on stage being in the comedy community would be reflected back to you. But, you know, before I do that, I want to remind people how how great it is to be listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. It's such a great radio station. And I'm Dr. Lisa speaking with um, professional funny person, uh, Lisa Kaplan, about her therapy experiences and experiences with group and a borderline personality mother, which is pretty interesting and uh donate money to us or you can even just donate money to the show just go to radiofreebrooklyn.com and check us out join our newsletter come to our parties you can uh tweet at me at dr lisa sp lisa levy sp that is uh so do you i mean when you were you were deep in the comedy we know this and uh, you would be like, so part of what your social life would be like or your f relationships would be based on who they saw on stage. Is that true? Uh, how do you mean? The well, like if, you know, if you're on a baseball team and your friends are all on the team, they sort of look at you through the lens of how you play baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So do you think that your onstage persona was really kind of wrapped up in uh, your social, you know, the way you socialized or how you felt about yourself sure. socializing? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I and my delivery is dry mm -hmm. normally. Uh, mm -hmm. My comment, my humor is sort of dry. Uh, yeah. And I got a certain amount of... Um, you know, I was no. I I think I was known as a funny comic. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. You were in a lot of really good shows and yeah, stuff. Very yeah. well respected for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't a successful comic. Uh, well, depending on how you define, but I still yeah. think it's a pretty high bar to be as well respected in the community as you are. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a high bar, <laughs> yeah. which you probably have lost sight of. 
Right. Just yeah, I don't think that, about it at all now. I, I mean, just, you were booked on shows all the time. Yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. And now people, yeah, I mean, people uh, um, quote my jokes to me. Now. Oh, that's and I, awesome. I don't remember them. <laughs> that's I've so forgotten funny. my entire act. That's so cool. Other people remember my act. That's so. great. Uh, so I'm sorry, what was... What was oh, I was just um, saying, oh, um, as long as we have a break, you know, there's this one question that I want to remember to ask you. So I'm going to ask you because I would be remiss as a therapist, as a fake therapist anyway, if I didn't. So why did you live with your mother? I mean, you, I mean I'm assuming it was out of necessity, financial necessity, but as an adult, you said you, li- you live with her... Um, from the time for to, 16 years when yeah, I came back, so we'd from have to Boston. we have to ask. I have to ask. Sure, uh, I would ask too. And for a long time, I thought I was crazy. It was sort of like a little. Uh, she was a hoarder, so it was a little bit like a um, Grey Garden situation. Sometimes mm-hmm. it felt like it, but uh, I. So when I moved back uh, initially, it was going to be temporary, and as as it always is, and I. I think, oh, so then I didn't have money for a little while, and so I needed to stay there, and then I moved out for like a month to live with a girlfriend, and my mother at the time was going through health issues, so I was constantly having to come back anyway, Uh, and that, you know, it was just too stressful. mm -hmm. Uh, She got better. I... It's back you had to take care of so as a combination. But, But generally, the reason I I stayed was I didn't want to lose the apartment. It was a rent-controlled. Oh. So now I have a three-bedroom rent-controlled apartment on the Lower East Side. Craziness. <laughs> so that was the big reason I stayed. And I didn't know when she was going to pass. And I had to be there for two years before she died wow. to keep the apartment. So you really earned it. I get it. I earned it, yes. <laughs> That's such a New York City I thing. I earned it. And I, I spent the last year and a half, um, well, year, uh, fixing it up. And re- mm-hmm. redoing it because it was a mess. It, we'd, she'd been in that apartment since 72 and nothing had been done. I, I painted it in 81 when I was in college. Wow. That was it. So was that healing or hurting or both? Which part? Spending those 16 years with her. Oh, that was awful. It, was, it wasn't good for me. Yeah, it wasn't good. No. But you just I just, just slogged through it? You know, I didn't. Did people, would you say it was masochistic or self-destructive? Uh, people wanted me to get out. <laughs> was it just, but really you just felt like it was practical? It was practical, and I didn't really have a direction. There were times when I tried to get, you know, looked around to see what my options were, but they didn't seem very good either. Mm-hmm. Did you, your mom want you there? At different times. I think she generally wanted me there, but she wasn't happy with the... When I was there, I didn't see her. I saw... I, I oh, because you had three bedrooms, right. Well, we I had guess... three bedrooms, and there was no living room to sit in because uh, it was a mess. Oh, so you could avoid her, too. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So anyway, so um, why why did you... So Let me just say I wasn't, I wasn't proud of living there, but I'm no, glad, I mean, I'm glad I'm, it's over I mean, and I got something no, out of it. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Um, no, it sounds like so. Let's so you let's just establish that you were doing. I mean, making money as a comedian uh, is hard. Is not. I mean, being a. I would say, by any standard, and I think everyone that knows you would say you were a successful comedian. I mean, but I you, wasn't making a living at it. No, and yeah. you, but but yeah. that has nothing to do right. with being okay. And most. And most, you know, being a successful artist isn't about making money and blah, blah, blah. we could go on and on. Yeah. Um, so why did you, when did you stop, did you 
just decide to stop doing it or what happened yeah, there? Yeah, I just, I can't like remember one the day? moment. Yeah, I don't remember. It wasn't like when I realized I was a lesbian. Uh, <laughs> but a le- no, that seems like it would work the other way. <laughs> at, at a certain point, I just realized I could stop. Like I wasn't getting anywhere and I didn't see the point of continuing. And I, I realized, yeah, I can stop. And then um, right when I made that decision, my friend Laura Teruso, who actually made the goth song uh, video, she came to me and said she wanted to do a video of me um, doing a little – she was in NYU film school, and she wanted to do a little documentary about me and my mother and my comedy routine. So she came and videotaped at – or recorded at my apartment – does that exist? Yeah, it does. See, and you were like, oh, I'm not doing comedy. I have nothing to promote. You absolutely have well, something it's, to promote. It's Look at this, vi- folks. Video, uh... Look at this. <laughs> that's that's really bad. That's bad business. That's why I'm bad. You should have told me that right from the beginning. Well, there's I'm... no way for people to see it. It's, oh, it's, it hasn't been released? It hasn't been released, no. Oh, okay. But yeah, so she did that. So um, no I, trailer? I continued... Well, the whole thing's for me, oh, okay. so it's not very... All right, okay. Yeah, it's just a, a little document. Okay. But so she came to me with that right when I was deciding not to do it, so I continued for a little while so she could get some uh, tape of me rec- uh, performing. And then I still decided, nah, this isn't... I don't want to do it. And so I don't... I, so now, you know, I took a break. I Once I get a job, I need to get a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start doing storytelling and mm-hmm. storytelling sounds like a good idea. So, but wasn't that kind of like your social life and stuff like that? Comedy or yeah. yeah. Um, so no, it wasn't. It's not a great social life <laughs> to you know co- when you're hanging around comics. Everybody's very focused on succeeding, and um, you know I, I didn't really get into a clique that I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, certainly have friends, but. Uh, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, lesbian solidarity. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't finding there, girls to date. There were, there's not a lot. Are there, are there a lot there of lesbians? There are lesbian comics, but I wasn't really connecting with them much. Because you, your work isn't really about. Well, it was. I mean, I wasn't. I was out. I talked. About yeah, it, but right. It was, but yeah, I mean, but it wasn't the. It wasn't the whole focus. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, like did you go shows. out every? But I mean, did you go out like every night or several nights a week? Or to I mean, standard? like, how would yeah. you be around? Pe- yeah. yeah. So you would go out a couple nights a week. Yeah. Right? I mean, you have to, to be a successful stand-up. You have to go out every night, and you have to go out all night. And that was part of the reason I didn't. You know, I just couldn't sustain it. I did it, and I just wasn't driven enough either. I don't think I wanted it enough. You know, part of it was about not being a good self-promoter, but part of it was that I wasn't. I was still more internally focused, I think, in retrospect than uh, this, you know, knowing who I was and what I wanted and going out for it. And I was ambivalent, I think, about the whole process. So you mean you think you have to be more externally focused in order? You have to be very driven and you have to be for any art. Yeah, for any you know, acting or Mm -hmm. uh, I -hmm. would assume visual arts, anything you have to be that has to be the most important thing. Right. I mean, there's certainly people that fall into it and are right. have the personality or the looks or the persona or the friend circle to mm-hmm. get swept up and end up right. successful. But I think for most people, it just requires an enormous amount of drive and single-focused 
clarity on. Right. So you have to be out every night and you're hanging. Do you think that's, I think that's a huge obstacle, just the going out every night. Yeah. Well. What was it? (laughs) It is. And also, you know, I started when I was 38 and Mm -hmm. uh, that was, you know, there's a reason that a lot of people are young when they do comedy mm-hmm. because it's it that's what you're doing when you're in your 20s is mm-hmm. going out and being social and and being driven i think that by the time i hit my 40s i was a little less driven and and mm-hmm. wanting to be out every night so do you think that your sense of yourself has affected your drive to do comedy like maybe um you've gotten more um say grounded and balanced and satisfied with your own with just being on the planet and yeah, that's yeah. less interesting to go out or yeah though no, i would rather i still want to be out more but i don't want to be out constantly and i don't want to be doing stand-up all the time and what about like being in the group of being in that you know being around the stand-up comics all the time do you think did that affect your view of yourself? Like, do you think that was, you know, I mean, it could be a very, I mean, I have no idea, but it could be a very competitive environment. It is. It's very competitive. And people are supportive, but it's also, there's a lot of competition. Right. Yeah. And people are very focused on their own things. So all your friends are also constantly out and performing and traveling and doing things so there isn't that kind of hey let's get let's have dinner tonight at my house right yeah it doesn't make for a stable lifestyle yeah and if that's what you enjoy doing then that's fine and that's Mm -hmm. what you should be doing but it wasn't really Mm -hmm. enough for me so how long has it been since you've been doing stand-up i think uh now six years wow that's a really long time so do you think this group therapy uh has a like you're talking about doing storytelling, which I think you would be very, very good at. So uh, is that, do you think that uh, the group therapy thing has sort of put you on, uh, were you thinking that before or did that? I was thinking it before, so it's not really going to affect that that much other than how I move out into the world mm-hmm. will, will change, I think. Do you? I hope, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I mean, do you think it's motivating you? I, maybe. I mean, I just feel more centered generally. Mm-hmm. And so everything I do is a little more centered. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, there's definitely an advantage to being older and knowing yourself better. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I, I certainly wouldn't, ch- you know, I'm, I'm 57 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not go back to my 20s. If you paid me, mm. I and, mean, if you paid me a million dollars, I might. Uh, yeah, but only if I could invest it so that now I would have a better. Situation. There are a lot of people but, who would pay that million dollars to go back to their twenties. Yeah, I would not. I think Cindy Crawford would. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's got the money too. Yeah, well, if you if you could if you could offer her the engineering. Whatever happened with your brother, anyway? So, oh, so he's doing great now. He uh, lives in Denver. He got, mm-hmm. he got out of town, and he eventually, he was uh, uh, sort of 
uh, hoboing it around the country for a little while, ended up in Denver, uh, got a dog that made him settle down, and mm-hmm. he got a job. Yeah, he found, he, he apparently found, the he right found dog. A, a dog, he found- and he needed to have a place to keep the dog, and he needed to have a job to get mon- food for the dog, and so that sort of wow. moved him on a trajectory. So now he's a, he actually is, uh, recently became an electrician. Oh, that's cool. And- Was he a lost self for a while? Yeah, I mean, you know. Did he ever have a drug or alcohol problem? Yeah. So that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. That your mom sounds like uh that sounds like a really tough situation anyway. Yeah, I mean he definitely So had a the hard people time. you met in group, you were you said you were in a group with uh borderline personality people? Different yeah, different. So you're of- you're like a borderline personality survivor. <laughs> Right? Yeah, basically. So were the other people, were there people in the group that had borderline personalities? Yeah, yeah. So and they- it was actually interesting to see people dealing with similar things. I mean, they, you know, it has a complex uh, presentation, so not everybody was exactly like my mother, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to see people dealing with what some of the things she was dealing with mm-hmm. in different ways or in ways where I wasn't full of rage toward them because mm-hmm. they were my mother and mm-hmm. they made me crazy. Did they wind up, did you wind up feeling like, I mean, most of them probably, if it was a borderline personality group, I mean, it's sort of like you were in Al-Anon, but they were alcohol, would be the alcoholics. Is that what I'm, imagine, I'm imagining? It's sort of like that. I guess so. I didn't say that. When no, I was in of the course not. I, I didn't have a... <laughs> An actual... And anybody who has a personality disorder may not... You know, they would say, "Oh, I don't have one," so of course, you don't know if I'm lying. Of course, but I mean, but you must—you um, must have been in a group with a lot of troubled people. Is what I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, everybody was troubled, and you know, as I was. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. wasn't—you um, know—different mm-hmm. people were at different levels of function, functionality, mm-hmm. uh, and I would say I was further at the higher end of functionality. Mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, I'm there for a reason. Did that make you appreciate what you had being around people who? It did. Had really tough lives. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? And it's very, you know, it makes you very, I guess if you're compassionate, it makes you more compassionate because people are struggling. And it's also a lot of the people in the group would talk about how they felt like they were patients and they were damaged and, you know, they were different than other people. And I kept thinking, there are a ton of people out in the world who should be in this group. Like there are, you don't know what's underneath the surface for a lot of people that they could you know, the person who is a jerk to you on the subway for no apparent reason, you you come mm-hmm. across people with personality disorders constantly. Mm. And the difference between those people and the people in the group is that the people in the group are getting some insight and dealing with it. But there are a lot of people mm. out in the world that don't get help and don't even know that they have an issue that can be um, addressed. Well, I think some of it also deals with humility because if you are able to um, see that you are in need of help, that's just at least a way into getting help and to actually evolving. But if you, like your mother, sounds like somebody who would never have gotten help because she she thought she was right. She did, but she started going to therapy in her 20s, which was in the 40s. So she uh. was way ahead, of, but she, you know, she never really got good therapy. And up until recently, nobody thought you could treat borderline. Well, she was never diagnosed with borderline, but even after the mm-hmm. uh, personality disorder uh, school of thought came about, mm-hmm. they didn't think you could treat it. 
And mm-hmm. so now is this group mm-hmm. does think you can treat it, and it seems like you can. You certainly ameliorate it considerably. Yeah, or um, find coping skills. Right, exactly. You know, you can't cure things, but you can always yeah. learn how to cope. They use DBT as the yeah. dialectical yeah. behavioral therapy. Right, is cognitive their, behavioral but therapy. But it's different. Actually, what do you cognitive mean? Cognitive th- behavioral therapy is different than dialectical uh, behavioral therapy. Oh, what's different about it? Uh, different focus. I think cognitive behavioral therapy mostly focuses about on how you're thinking, the ways that your thought processes right, are to flawed. Regulate. Mm-hmm. You know that you're making wrong assumptions, mm-hmm. and therefore, you're... or to practice re right. rethink how to think about things. Right. Just... Dialectical behavioral therapy a little more is about emotion regulation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, how you're interacting with other people, and it's just geared. The person who came up with it, Marshall Marshall Linehan, mm-hmm. had uh, borderline personality disorder. Oh, interesting. So it's uh, yeah. how long has that been around? I. Th- think at least 10 years, but oh, I'm not, I don't know. So uh, going forward, um, so you seem like you're in a, in a really good place now. That's the impression I'm getting. I, it sounds like the only, the missing piece, you have a nice place to live, you've got a better handle on, you've got a really good handle, I think, on who you are. You want to do storytelling. You have a creative outlet that you're looking forward to, and then you just need a job. Is that it? Uh, and uh, you know, soulmate. Oh, soulmate. <laughs> that's, that's Those are hard. That's that's the have thing. Have you been I dating want. a lot? I haven't been. I, I plan to. I so plan how, to oh, uh, get into the dating pool, but I that that's fraught. That that's terrifying. How is that so fraught? I just have been. I've avoided it for years. I haven't uh, been in a relationship for a long time, and well, I had one ten years ago. Was the last one, and it lasted a year. I just I got very um, disappointed in my relationships, and so I decided I wasn't going to keep doing the same bad thing, like the same. Yeah, going. You had a pattern. Yeah, I had a pattern, and I decided I didn't want to do Uh that anymore. So I'm hoping that now I will. I can break the pattern. I think I have some of the tools. Mm -hmm. A lot. What's the? How do you understand the Uh, pattern? I think what was happening was that I was going for people that didn't intimidate me because the people that I was actually Uh. attracted to. I was scared of and didn't think I had a right to approach. You get that. So I was going for people that actually approached me and I may or may not have had attraction to them or I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was ambivalent and that's not a good way to date. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I didn't want to be in relationships where I wasn't, I need to be really into the relationship. And right. so I didn't want to be in relationships where I wasn't. So I just mm-hmm. gave up for a while. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm ready to. You really think you're going to, I hope you do. I hope so. Yeah, and I, I have hope you're not just me per- that are very. We're going to get you to do this, oh, and, okay. and they're good, good. wingmen. So oh, I have good. people around that are going to help me. So you're, you're setting up a support system yes. for your actions. That's yes. great. See how healthy you are, Jesus <laughs> fucking we'll Christ! We'll you don't see. need we'll me. See. Why are you on the show? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. We can have healthy people afternoon. on the show. Yeah. So, um, what's your plan? Are do are you going to do like a dating app thing or go to? go out how do you I think so I don't know I don't know how to do it well you know I think well we have the dating apps are good for practice I guess I think so yes but I sort of feel like it's useful to go out to things that you are interested in Mm -hmm. and you know like I'm hoping that my day-to-day interactions will be different enough that I will be able to 
mm-hmm. utilize those interactions to get a date. Yeah, I think that the dating app is a really good way to get started, though, mm-hmm. just to have right. like, so how I'm afraid you're going to procrastinate, frankly. That's what I'm worried about. Um, this is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of that <laughs> since we have three minutes left. I'm afraid that you're going to procrastinate about uh, dating, and I'm afraid you're going to procrastinate about storytelling. And those two things could really feed each other and really move you forward. Are you going to procrastinate? I probably will. Uh, I'm a slow mover. I'm very hard on myself about my procrastination. That's one of my problems. I don't want to, and I have people around me to keep me honest. Okay, you know what? Can we do this? We have two. We have we have two minutes. Uh So can we make another date in a month from now, or six weeks? How about two months? Okay, two months from now. Uh huh. Uh, We'll pick it when we're and no, you're going to come in. And report on one date and one storytelling wow. show. Will you do it? Okay. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is awesome. We're definitely going to be doing this. Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, that was a oh, so what? Good let's, well, we'll have to figure out eight, eight Thursdays from now, whatever that is. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll post it on Facebook today. And then we'll follow up. As long as I'm not, I have a uh, vacation well, coming it can, up. It can, it can be, yeah. That isn't that the August, the time of the therapist's vacation? Oh no, uh, I, 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 a vacation from not being a therapist. <laughs> this is my vacation. Well, it'll be a staycation. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay. I feel, I feel like you know, we'll, we'll see. Do you, the, the but gauntlet has been thrown, and and I'm gonna put that out there, and I want you to tell your friends that you agreed to do okay. this, so you can get support. Okay. There we go. We solved some problems today. I feel like we've accomplished something. I don't know, but I'm curious to see what we'll happens. See what happens. Either yeah. way, it'll be a really good show because um, if you do do it, which I'm expecting you will. Uh, we'll have some good stories. And if you don't, I'll be able to give you shit for a whole hour, and that'll be really fun for me. I'm sure Maybe you won't we'll... give me the amount of shit I'll give myself. Oh, but it's... I'm, I'm still not We'll have cured. people call in. We'll, we'll, make, it, we'll make it work. Oh, we'll okay. make it really, really horrible. And if you don't show up, we'll just talk about... I'll get somebody <laughs> that doesn't like you on the show to talk about you. How's that? That would be really mean. Do you mean, know anybody? Huh? I don't know, but I could find somebody. Yeah. Out, out in the comedy world, Ugh. somebody that didn't get booked or something because of you. There's yeah, I gotta never had be any power, so I couldn't. Uh... Somebody out there, if All you're right. if yeah, you're I'm in sure the comedy world, like there's me. somebody that's got a, a a beef against you. Has to be. So we've got just a couple of minutes and just a couple of seconds left, and I want to thank people again for listening. Like I said, you can tweet at me at Dr. Lisa Levy SP. That stands for self. Claim Dr. Lisa Levy, SP, and um, don't forget to go to our website, Radio Free Brooklyn. And um, you know, Pride Week is really important. Um, make sure that you acknowledge it for yourself and for others in the way that you can, no matter what. And uh, Comey lives. That's what. That's 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 what. Uh, that's kind of a Mark Marin. Mark Ma- tribute to Mark Marin. Comey lives. You know that one, Lisa.